I'm Micah Boyette, and you're listening to The Slow Way. This is a podcast about the slow goodness of pursuing a sacred love that transforms everything, including you and me. It's a quiet space where all of us frantic strivers, serial doers, and weary achievers are invited in for a moment of reflection, an opportunity for prayer, and a chance to practice going slow in a world that often values only speed, success, and power. Our culture loves to tell us that life is frantic and there's nothing we can do about it. But we know what's real. The true thing is deep down underneath the surface where love lives. And sometimes we just have to stop long enough to notice. So here, let's try. Have a seat just for a few minutes. Let's go the slow way. Last Sunday in my church's youth group, we opened up our time for Q&A. Ask the youth leaders any questions. I love the questions of teenagers. I love their balance of childlike earnestness and emergent critical thinking. They ask the questions grown-ups mostly stopped asking a long time ago when it comes to God. One of the questions was one I've actually thought a lot about. If God created the universe, what was God even doing before that? If there was no realm to exist in, then where was God existing? Yes, people, let's do this. I answered with one of my favorite ideas I gleaned from C.S. Lewis 25 years ago when I first came to mere Christianity. In it, Lewis considers God as a plane, a sheet of paper, and time as a line drawn on that paper. In other words, God is not bound by time. God is the space in which time begins and ends. Time is God's creation. So where was God before the beginning of time? Where God has always been, beyond our imaginations. I told the students to consider the reality that the universe is always expanding making more space. What could exist beyond the universe to make space into? The short answer is nothing and everything, by which I mean we can't comprehend. But if we believe there is a creator on which time is drawn, then there is a creator into which the universe grows. God is beyond space and time. And I find so much peace and freedom in that idea. John Swinton's book, Becoming Friends of Time, does the remarkable work of examining how our cultural notions of time are, quote, grasping, utilitarian, instrumental, focused, selfish, and ultimately idolatrous, end quote. And how that view of time is at the heart of ableism though he doesn't actually use that word, at least in what I've read so far. He says it this way, quote, in a world where productivity and a particular understanding of happiness determine whether someone is deemed worthy of living or dying, people whose lives challenge such ways of being in the world inevitably become vulnerable. I began writing the Slow Way newsletter and podcast 
because I was struggling to put my finger on what it was about the life of my son, who is autistic and has Down syndrome. That felt truer than the narrative our culture presents all of us who are deemed efficient and able. The world as I've encountered it is one that gives the most honor to those who can produce. Whether that production is entertainment, money, or thought, if we don't contribute, we are weak, lazy, or burdens to our communities. There's a deep realness to ACE's life that is outside of what our culture says makes us good at being human. In fact, many who argue for the termination of fetuses with Down syndrome do so with an idea that ending the life of the prenatally diagnosed child is for the good of the child, that the lives of those with intellectual disabilities are burdens to our economic, education, and family systems, and that being a burden must somehow equal being less worthy of life. Swinton is diving deep into this idea and giving me language I couldn't find before. When the way we narrate the value of a good life is about productivity, we immediately create a world where those who can't produce or contribute to the economic machine are considered unworthy of their humanity. What does that have to do with time? Productivity always has to do with time. There's a reason we throw around phrases like time is money. According to Swinton, if time is a, quote, commodity to be bought and sold rather than a gift to be received, end quote, it will always be valued for how it can be controlled and manipulated. And in that context, only those who do the controlling and producing are worthy. Those who aren't able to participate in the commodity of time will be left behind. The alternative is to view time as a, quote, creature born out of God's love. When we reimagine time, we also can reimagine ourselves within time. And as we engage with those who live with intellectual disability or brain damage or dementia, our understanding of time also changes. Quote, God's time is not a burden of, quote, schedules, deadlines, targets, and competition. This is heady stuff, I know. But it feels so important to all of us who are learning to receive ourselves, not for what we produce, but for the sake of love. When we release ourselves from the burden of proving our value by what we make of time, we can learn slowness for the sake of our whole selves, our minds, bodies, and souls, and for the sake of those in our world who are most vulnerable. This is spiritual work. If we want to value the lives of those who will never produce enough to be considered good, we have to first value ourselves outside of what we can do. Quote, when we begin to understand what it means to reside within God's time, we are opened up to a whole new way of being in the world, a way that not only respects the difference that disability brings, but in a sense requires it. End quote. That's why we need a vision of God that is love and a vision of all that God has created as born from love. We are not robots set on earth to do enough work in enough time to be deemed good. We are born of love and given a loving, expansive creation. 
time is a gift of love. That means we are invited to be whole bodies, not just brains, who are learning what it is to love one another. Or we are, as Swinson puts it, becoming friends of time. A slow practice. So how do we practice receiving time as a gift of love? Today, I think it might be a good first step to think of our day in a way that reaches beyond our typical divisions of times and tasks. Let's start with a deep breath. Breathe in. Breathe out. For our prayer today, let's practice a variation of the examine. Let's think about yesterday in terms of how you scheduled your day, what you did, what you produced, who you spent time with, what brought you joy, and what brought you anxiety. You might be able to think of your day as divided into work and rest, eating and sleeping, and hopefully cultivating relationships, caring for yourself and others. And you skim through yesterday's schedule in your mind and pay attention to how you spent your morning, afternoon, and evening. Let's start here. How did you give time to relationships yesterday? Think about the personal emails you might have sent, the engagement online you gave to people you know in real life, phone calls or texts with people you love, maybe a lunch date or a walk or a simple conversation you had with your neighbors. Let's ask another question. How did you give time to small tasks that brought you joy? Maybe you worked on the house, cared for your garden. Maybe you cooked a meal for someone. What were the small tasks yesterday that brought you joy? What time did you give yesterday to work? Work can be defined however you want to define it whether or not it's monetarily profitable. Think about your work. What makes your work productive? How do you feel when you're producing? How do you feel when you're not producing? Can you be curious about those things and sit with the answers? Go to the next question. What time did you give to rest? Rest could be taking a bath, reading a book, watching Netflix, having a drink with a friend, sitting on the porch with your pup. How did you give yourself time to rest? What did it look like for you? 
as you think about these things in your mind, I don't want you to worry so much about where each thing belongs. I just want you to notice how each of those categories, relationships, rest, work, play, feel when you consider them. And how do they affect the ways you think about yourself? How do they affect the way you consider yesterday's value? Was it a good day? Why or why not? And how do you determine if a day was good? How do you determine if you are good? As John Swinton says, time is a creature born out of God's love. Can you scan back in your mind's eye to yesterday and watch your tasks, your relationships, your moments of rest or play with the perspective of love? Spend some time reflecting. close with this prayer. Spirit, teach us to see all of our days, morning, noon, and night, as good. Not because of what I made of it, but because it was born out of your love. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Slow Way. Choosing a moment of quiet and allowing yourself to be slow here with me is no small thing. When we move even for a few minutes at a pace that refuses to conform with the culture around us, we make space for God, for wisdom, for a vision of ourselves and others that can only be seen when we take the time to pay attention. What I'm trying to say is we make space for love. So well done, us. I'm proud. I want to thank Val Schleter for managing my social media, Jason Boyette for designing our slow way graphic, and the always timely and productive, is it wrong to say that, Angelina Marie for editing. If you're interested in more words on the slow way, you can sign up for my newsletter at micaboyette.com. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at micaboyette and find my book found wherever books are sold. I would so appreciate it if you could take the time to review the slow way on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps people find us, but only do it if you are welcoming the time you spend reviewing as a gift. Thanks for being here with me today. We'll see you next week.